cool. Let's get into this. Hey, this sermon is gonna, this series is gonna be a big deal to me. This is my heart. This is my heart. And so today, as we get into this message, I think it's gonna get better towards the end of this sermon, and then like next week, and then next week. So I have to ramble a long time to get you to a point where of what we understand. John chapter 15, verses one through three. I'm gonna read to you just real quick. Jesus said it this way. I am the true vine, my father, he's the vine dresser. And every branch in me that, that does not bear fruit, he takes it away. That every branch that does bear fruit will he'll prune so that it would bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Help me. Amen. Amen. Woohoo! All right, so here's Jesus. He can be a little odd sometimes. Uh, Jesus talks in parables often throughout Scripture. And um, actually, he'll use things around people to illustrate what he's trying to say. So in this passage, he's going to talk a lot about a tree, uh, a, a vine, to be an example. Um, but uh, in Scripture, he would talk about growth through plants quite often. So this is my friend. He's She's going to be with me for the next uh, several weeks, and I think I'm going to call her Betsy. And so uh, anyways, Betsy uh, will be the illustration for multiple things. Jesus talked about plants quite often. I'm going to take you through Matthew 13. He would talk about plants on four different illustrations in this one chapter. And the first thing is one that is very common to many of you. He's going to talk about the, the parable of the sower. Okay, and Jesus is going to throw this out there to you. He's going to say, look, there was a sower who throwed seed amongst the ground. All right, and the first time that, that he would sow the seed, uh, it's going to fall on hard ground, uh, on, on the footpath. And the next time he would sow seed, it would be upon, upon, uh, upon uh, shallow soil that had rocks in it. The next time Jesus said he would throw seed, it's going to be amongst the thorns and the next time he said that he's going to throw seed, it's going to be amongst the fertile ground. Four different places that the seed fell in this farmer's story. What I think is significant about it, though, is that when, after he tells this story, the disciples get along with Jesus, and they start asking him questions about why do you use these stories that no one really gets, Jesus. And he says this, and I think this is important for modern-day people. Uh, he would often say to him who has ears, hear to him who has eyes, I want you to see. He, he says, I tell these stories because most people aren't actually listening. What he's saying is that, he's not saying that people are deaf and they can't hear. No, he's saying that even if they were deaf and they were given hearing aids to now hear, they still wouldn't listen. I find that to be very culturally true, just when most people are talking in general. I, I can hear the words you're saying, but I'm not listening to what you're saying. And so Jesus is going to throw out stories there so that way people would lean in a little bit closer. And I wonder in your life, how do you listen? When you don't understand something that is supposed to be really important, do you ask questions? Do you dig until you understand, do you understand how to apply this principle in my life? So what these four things Jesus would go on to explain, he says, is that some people, the seed fell amongst the footpath. It's because they didn't understand. 
They didn't understand what he was saying, but they didn't ask more questions. They didn't stop him and say, hey, teacher, can you explain this? And then what happens is that the enemy comes in and he takes this seed and he makes it so that they never understand and they walk away. Then he would say that some are going to hear and it's going to fall on shallow soil. They would actually receive the word of God with great joy. They'd get excited. Man, this is really good news. Jesus, I'm all on board. But then problems are going to arise in their life. And what happens is the problems become bigger than Jesus. So their vision transfers from wanting to follow Jesus that they were excited about to realizing that their problems require their attention. And they miss the kingdom of God. Then he would say that some fell amongst the thorns. Now he said these thorns actually took root. And they understood Man, they began to love the Lord. But what it says here, and I love the way Jesus is going to break this down in Matthew 13, is that I don't have time to read this passage. We're going to get to John 15. That's my goal. But he says that worry and, um, worry and the wealth of this world choked out their love for Jesus. We're going to come back to that. Because I have found that many believers in this world are trying to figure out how to get Jesus in their life on their pursuit to wealth. And so their goal is to make money and have Jesus in their life. And this is crippling to your faith. You have to understand, no one can serve how many masters? Two. Mm, okay, well, uh, let's keep going. And then he would say that some fell in fertile soil produced a great harvest, 30, 60, even 100 times. What he's saying is, like, these people, they received Jesus, and their life blossomed. Like, they did great things. They were able to accomplish far more than they set out for. Uh, I I don't know if you know this, but uh, so one of my friends, when I was in seventh grade, was the yearbook editor for our school. He thought it was a funny joke because uh, they listed every name in, the, in, the, in, the, in that school year, all the kids' names, and he put my name down, and then they would say something cool about their life. And one of my friends was the yearbook editor, and he wrote in there uh, a message for me, thought it would be really funny, and it became something that was attached to my life. He said, uh, he said uh, Tim Broughton, least likely to succeed. And he got attached to me. And I just think, man, that was, if you knew me then, that would actually be an accurate statement. And you don't understand what Jesus can do in your life. Like, I've actually traveled around the world. More, I've been to more than 12 countries. I've been to 47 states. I've preached the gospel. I've met people. I've hugged people. People have cried in my hands. I've been there when people said they, were, they, they wanted to kill themselves, and I've seen their life transformed. What Jesus has done in and through me is far more than most people set out to expect. I want you to know that a little seed can do a lot in your life. I have to keep going. So uh, one of the keys to having fertile soil is important. I'm going to skip that. I'm going to skip Mark chapter 4, which is the key, Jesus said, to a a seed in Mark chapter 4. He says, fresh soil. Man, it's going to do all the difference in your life. What does he mean? The area to which you plan on growing the people in your life, the things like, are, have you, do you have healthy enrichments of people that are speaking into these things that you call a passion that's healthy for you? Because if you don't, good luck growing. Then Jesus is going to go on in Matthew chapter 13. Man, I'm telling you, this is going to be good stuff for you. If you and I have the same vision. If you don't have the same vision, I'm, I'm just talking today. Matthew chapter 13, he's going to go on. He's going to talk about the wheat and the tares. 
And he's, he wants you to know that there is wheat that's going to grow, and right next to that wheat that's growing in your life is going to be some tares. There's going to be some people in your life that are going to have a negative influence in your harvest. It's going to happen. And Jesus said, well, unfortunately, if you didn't get it when it was small, now you just have to let it grow because if we rip out the, that, the, the, that, that, um, the, those tares, it may rip out the harvest too. And so you've allowed some things to grow in your field that, man, that's actually really unhealthy. And um, we'll deal with it later at the end of time, he'll go on to say. Then I want to show you something else that Jesus said. I'm really excited about this, guys. In the par- Matthew chapter 13, verses 31, I'm going to put it on the screen for you guys, I think. Um, no, I'm just going to read. Uh, anyway, so he would talk about the story of a mustard seed. And he said this mustard seed was planted and it grew. And it grew big and strong and its roots grew deep. And the mustard seed grew into such a massive oak that it was able to have birds and people found shelter in this tree and it provided food for others. This is something that Jesus is trying to say, I'm trying to do in your life. This is a story here. Jesus is trying to say, this small thing that you did when you decided to believe in Jesus is supposed to create refuge and food and resources and shelter for others. Let me say this again. Your life, your faith in Jesus is supposed to provide shade, refuge, and resources for others. This is the goal of Christianity. Your faith is not about you. It is about you growing into something that can make a difference in the lives of others. If you do not get this, you are missing Christianity. You are tripping over the whole thing. So now I'm glad you believe. Now let's go make a difference. Then he would say this next thing. He would tell the, he'd switch gears on talking about all these trees, good old Betsy, and he would talk about this baker who... I'm going to come into scripture here, I promise. So this baker, in the next verse, uh, he says that the baker uh, puts a little bit of yeast in this three pounds of flour. And he kneaded it through, and it began to grow and grow and grow and grow. He says just a little bit of yeast would create so much growth. I just want to stop for a second. What Jesus is trying to get at in Matthew chapter 13 is he's trying to talk about growth. What's growing in your life? Let me just stop here, guys. Please hear me. As your pastor, Jesus, please speak this. Are you growing? What is the most important thing to you? Jesus said that the greatest and most important thing in your life is that you love the Lord God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. This is what's most important. I'm really glad your bank account's growing. I'm really glad that you are getting more followers on Facebook and Instagram. I'm really glad you're learning more about politics. Are you growing spiritually? How do you grow? I I believe that God is going to, I asked the Lord before I spoke today, God, will you speak to every person in this room? And I believe that this is the most fundamental question for every believer, newborn, or you've been at this thing for a hundred years and you're learning Greek and Hebrew and all. Are you growing? Not have you grown. Everything that's alive grows and blossoms, and blooms, and reproduces. So how does a Christian grow? 
What are the things that's required? And I'm thinking about good old Betsy here, and our plan is to not do anything over the next four weeks for good old Betsy here and see how she does in four weeks without any sunlight or water. I'll bet you she ain't going to do so good here, you know? I wonder, are you growing? I know that it's crucial, like we don't move past this, guys. You've got to have a prayer life. You've got to have the word of Jesus in your daily life if you plan on growing. You're going to have to have people in your life that love the Lord, that are breathing questions, problems, issues. You're going to need to see them struggling if you want to grow. They're going to have to ask you questions about why these terrible things are happening in their life. If you want to grow, you've got to be around other people that are growing together. That's why when Jesus talked about these vineyards, he was talking about things that were growing together in a vineyard. I have to keep going. You guys with me so far? I care. I believe Jesus cares. And if you're not hearing anything else, you can check out right here. Are you growing? I mean, nope, I have something else to say. I heard it said once that um, unless you have a mentor, you can't grow. You can't be a disciple without a discipler. And I just have to tell you, um, nope. That's not, listen, uh, you have been given the Bible. That's pretty good content to, to be discipled. You have been given the Holy Spirit. That's pretty good content. And you say, well, yeah, but if I just had more access to Pastor Tim, yes, I'm busy. But I want you to know, if you pursued me with a question about your faith, I would make all the time in the world to help you. There are people in your life, your connect group leader cares about whether or not you are learning and understanding the word of God. But aside from that, you want to know what I, one of the things that's helped me grow over the years? There's this thing that's called the World Wide Web. And you can get on there, you can type, and you can watch videos. I meet with Craig Rochelle and T.D. Jakes every week. It's so fascinating. I get a one-on-one with them. They write these books about these things that I'm really passionate about. And you, I get, 2,000 years ago, they didn't have the option of having like a one-on-one meeting with the Apostle Paul. And we get like to download and learn as much as you want. You can grow if you choose to. The problem is we have more passions than Jesus. And this becomes a problem in fight for the seed that God is trying to put in fertile soil. It's no one else's fault whether I'm growing but me. Is that good? All righty, right here. You can meet up with T.D. Jakes this week, I promise. He'll make time for you. He wrote this book, and it's really good. It's called Pressed. Oh, man. Check that one out. It's, okay, wow, it's seven minutes. Okay, here we go. I forget, okay, go. I'm going to read the whole passage for you, and then we're going to jump into this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go later today. Is that okay? John 15, chapter 1. I have read this passage before God a thousand times. There was one time in, in, in this like three to six month period where the Lord actually didn't want me to read any other chapter in the Bible but this. And so every day I would read this. God has spoken to me so many times about this passage. It's crazy. This is not a parable. This is a teaching. And this happens on the night that Jesus would, would give his life. He had just finished watching the disciples' feet. And uh, he had just had the Passover dinner with them. And he's about to be betrayed. And these are the last couple words he's expressing to John. And it's pretty powerful. I have found much revel. I have to read. 
John 15, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser and every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. That every branch bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in In me, Jesus said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. And he who abides in me, and I in him, will bear much fruit. But without me, you, can you say that with me? You can do. Oh, that's a harsh one for me, and I got to tell you, I believe it. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out, and the branch is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. And if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit so that you will be my disciples. And as the Father has loved me, so I also have loved you. Please abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and I abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love than no one than this, than one that would lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that you have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me. Nope, I chose you. And I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask in my Father's name, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. I'm going to try my best. Uh, I got to tell you, after you read something a thousand times, it's really hard to, to make it simple. Because <laughs> I just wanted to, I, I couldn't even get a point out of it. So next week, I'll do a sermon with points. Uh, next week is going to be the difficult kind of growth. But I'm going to try to explain this passage and give you guys some, some simple things that I think can go with you and challenge you in a massive way today. Jesus, would you help? As I was to try to outline this on my own, I did everything I could to stay away from other people's uh, layout. So this is the Tim Broughton version, if you don't, uh, you don't have to agree with it, I promise. But uh, verses 1 through 7, Jesus is going to explain to you what the source is. What is the source? Jesus said, I am the vine, the true vine. You're just a branch. You got to get this illustration because this is God talking to you. You're just a branch. And um, then in verse 8 through 11, he's going to say, he's going to try to explain the process to us of what he's really trying to do practically in your life. Let me explain it to you. Verse 8, he's going to pick up by saying, By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. In so doing, so you'll, you'll, you'll be my disciples. Okay, hmm. man, there's so much content that I, I, I get so excited about this. There's no passage in scripture that means more to me than this. Please know that the vision of our church is not to just get people to believe in Jesus, but to be, make disciples. This is Jesus's vision and mission for your life is not that you would just believe in him, but that you would become like him. 
Because in verse 8, what I hear, he says that if you would actually abide in me, if you'll stay grounded in me, then you'll end up looking like me. And then you'll end up fulfilling the mission that I have for you to do. You can have a relationship with God and not do the things that he wants. You can kind of have a relationship with God and not become like him. But why would you want that? Why wouldn't you want to be like Jesus and impact people the way that he is wanting you to do? What if there is a call of God on your life to do something significant? Is there anything more important than being like Jesus? This is what a disciple is, not just someone who who learns, but then someone who ultimately then teaches. Then Jesus would go on to give us this big command in this passage. I have a command in verse 12. He says this. First is is the source, the vision. Uh, The next is the process to what he wants to do in your life. Verse 12, he's going to try to say this. Um, This is is my commandment that you love one another as I loved you. He's saying, I have a command for you. And then in verse 13, he switches this, and it's so beautiful. And he says, yes, I am your master, and yes, I am the true vine, but I'm not trying to be your master with this command. I'm actually wanting you to know that this this scenario is, um, uh, I actually think that we're friends. So I'm sharing a command to you, but I'm actually telling you the secret of God. Let me take you there in 14. This is the secret that I have for you. You are my friends. If you do whatever I command you, no longer do I call you a servant because a servant doesn't know what his master's doing. What the master's trying to do in your life is make you fruitful. And then he would go on to say, you didn't choose me. No, 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 I, I actually chose you. I picked you to be my disciple. I picked you to bear fruit for my name. I picked you to look like me, to act like me, to love like me, and to make a difference like me. This is the greatest call. Uh, and, then he, and then he would go on uh, to say this. This is my command, suggestion, it's a command. It's my secret. This is the secret to life. Love people. Now i got to back up. What is fruit? Um, he keeps talking about fruit in this passage here in the beginning of the book. He would say in, uh, in verse 4, uh, verse 5, that you would, I'm sorry, in verse 1 or 2, he says that you would bear fruit. And then in, uh, later in, the, in that same verse, he says that I, I hope that you would bear more fruit. And then in verse 6, he actually says that I pray that you would go on to bear much fruit. Bear fruit. Bear more fruit, bear much fruit. What does Jesus want to do with a human on earth? He wants them to bear fruit. What the heck is fruit? Sounds kind of fruity to me. Well, here's what's fruit. Most of us can't tell what kind of tree this is. Most of us don't know what kind of person Dina is. So she displays fruit. Fruit is not an ear, a banana growing out of your ear or an orange growing out of your armpit. But to display fruit is to display the attributes that represent the branch is still attached to the vine. And over time, I know what kind of tree this is going to become because of what comes out of it. Jesus says, I care about the fruit that's going to come out of your life. This is what I'm trying to do in your life. What's coming out of you? Some people, the mission after a long day is to just get home and shut the door. 
And in doing so, you show no fruit. No one sees anything going on in your life. You've got a closet, and your goal in life is to hide. And Jesus said, I'd never put a light under a bushel. No, I, 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 want, it, I want it to be the light of, I want everyone to see fruit, more fruit, much fruit. I want everyone to see love. He would go on to talk about this. What is fruit? This is fruit. That one that would lay down their life for their friends. It's love. I pray that you would abide in this love. The same love that the Father has for me, I I pray for you. Do you love people? And he would go on to say what that looks like. One, love is going to look like sacrifice when you lay down your life for people. We're going to talk about this in a massive way next week. Next week is the uncomfortable growth. Oh, it's going to get good. I'm way over time, and we're just going to keep going, okay? We're just going to keep going. This is going to be good stuff. Brian, will you just add 10 more minutes to my timer? Yeah, (laughs) praise the Lord. I get excited here, guys. Um, He wants us to be fruitful and multiply. Multiplication is part of Christianity. If, If you're doing right, you're multiplying, Oh, man, that's a sermon for next week. Okay. All right, Lord. I get so excited that I forget what I'm trying to say. What you feed will grow and what you starve will die in your life. And I know that I know that I know that those that are seeking the Lord are growing. When you're reflecting on the love that he has for you, you're growing. When you feel like you can't pray or you are not good at it or you can't read the Bible or you're not good at it, then you don't. And then you starve what is good in your life. The problem with this, friends, I want to make sure you understand. I'm really grateful. I started off with Matthew chapter 13 because I wanted to talk about seeds. Because there are some that come and they listen to the sermon, but they don't hear the sermon because they're not doing the sermon. The sermon is not that you would be hearers of the word, but that you would be doers of the word. I'm grateful that we have a lot of people that come. But as a pastor, I care about your growth. And you can't grow if you don't abide. Let me show you what I mean. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do what? He says, abide in me. You know what I can tell you about this plant? He says that Jesus is the true vine and you're the branch. Abide in me and you'll bear much fruit. People will know who you are, what you love, what you're passionate about. You know what I know? I can go around this room and I know what people love. I know what football team you're passionate about, what kind of cars you're passionate about. I know what kind of food you're passionate about. Do people in your life know how passionate you are about Jesus? And it's important you understand that as a church, our passion is to make disciples. Not people that are students of Jesus, but people that become Jesus to a lost and broken world. It's not just understanding Jesus, now it's becoming a teacher of Jesus. It's multiplying fruit that then multiplies, seed that can carry and make a difference into other people. This is what a disciple is. The students of Jesus became teachers. There comes a point in your growth process where you will stop growing if you're not multiplying. That's a good word for someone. Okay, so he said, abide in me, right? As I was praying about the church 
and where we are, this may be a little harsh, but um, I was thinking about those of us that are Christians and have been Christians for a long time, or we think that the goal of Christianity is to add Jesus to your life. You know, it's like this. I wake up in the morning and I don't have time to pray today. How many of us have said that? Don't have time for prayer. You could be a, come on, be honest with me. You're lying if you're not being honest. Don't have time to add Jesus. What we don't realize that when we're saying that statement is I'm the vine. Jesus is my branch. He is the source of my life. And the goal of what Jesus is trying to do in our life when we surrendered our life was, listen, when we wake up in the morning, many of us have set out the goal to, make, to be financially savvy. We set out the goal to make money today. Great goal. I think it's an awesome goal. Many of us wake up with a to-do list, and we don't feel successful unless we have knocked all the things off the list that we got to get done today, right? Here's the problem with that list, guys. That means that you're, now the goal has to get Jesus somewhere in the list. It's the opposite of what Jesus is trying to do in our life. We're not trying to get Jesus to... Here's what that would look like. I'm the branch. Let's add the vine to me. Like what we're talking about now is a God that can fit in our back pocket. A portable God that's so much smaller than me. When we gave our life to Jesus, we didn't fit Jesus into our life. Let me show you some stories about disciples. You know, like in Matthew chapter 4, when Peter, Jesus looked at Peter and he said, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. I'll show you, I'll make a significance. Things will come out of your life and you'll make a difference in people's lives. Follow me. The very next thing that Peter did was abandon his lifestyle. He abandoned his boat, his nets, and just, okay. He didn't like pay the dock keeper money to watch his boat for the next three years. He left it and the nets. It's crazy. No, 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 no. I'm being honest. There's some hard things about teachings of Jesus. Jesus said this. He said, um, there was a guy that wanted to follow him, and he said, hey, teacher, um, my family member just died. Can I, can I come? And Jesus said, no, let the dead bury their own dead. Follow me. I am today. I am right here, right now. And he's being dramatic, yes. He's trying to say, your list and your priorities become secondary to what I'm trying to do in your life. I, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm just trying to help you understand. You're not God. And we have made a modern Western Christianity where we're trying to fit God into our life. The story of Elijah and Elisha. God speaks to Elijah and says, look, I'm, I'm pretty much done with your life. You're going to give your mantle and your anointing over to this kid. Elijah is really ticked. This is the way I see it. He's really frustrated with his situation. He walks over to this kid who's working, and he, he basically takes off his anointing, hands it to this kid. I'm paraphrasing. This is in uh, 1 Kings chapter 22, I think, or something like this. And, and it's the very last part of the verse. And Elijah says, stop, 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 stop. Can I follow you? No, and he just walks away. And uh, he says, uh, let me, I, what, what, I, want, I just want to go back and say goodbye to my family. And what Elijah does is he burns, he kills the oxen, burns the, the plow, he burns everything. He, Elijah, Elisha, wants to make sure there's nothing in his life to come back to. 
He wants to go after the Lord and abandon everything. As a disciple of Jesus, you can't be a student of Jesus trying to figure out where you're going to fit. I think there's a lot of Christians um, that um, they think if they just maybe just hide amongst the branches, I'll just get around other Christians and I'll grow. No. Listen, the way community church did not die on the cross for you. The way community church did not rise from the dead from you. You will grow amongst other believers if you abide in the vine. What does this look like? Tomorrow, I'm talking to God. God, I can't do anything without you. Because the mission that he has for your life is more important than how successful you are making money in America. You will end up with money. I promise. You're American. It happens. Wait a couple months, the government will ship you another check. It's crazy. Did he just say that? Yeah, he did. We actually give out free money in our country all the time. You will be taken care of. Jesus said, seek ye the kingdom of heaven first, and then everything else will be handled. But what we're doing is we're setting out the day knowing that, God, you've got about a minute and a half to talk to me because I'm busy today. Um, I was thinking about this just in relationship to my bride. You know, like the day I said I pledged my life to her. How thriving would our relationship be if I did not talk to her until next Sunday? Um, that is what, before I became a Christian, I called a side piece, you know? She's a weekend girlfriend. She's not a actually everyday girlfriend. And Jesus said, you are my beloveds and I am yours. Like, we are, we are married. I'm not a weekend God. This is an everyday thing. If you want to grow, we have to abide in the vine. This comes off harsh. No, no, no. What's really harsh is that there are people dying and going to hell. And the version of Christianity that we're living, no one wants to buy. You don't even believe in it. You don't even want to pray. Why do I want to follow a God you don't talk to? I'm just saying. The mission of our life is to love the Lord. Jesus said, what is the greatest commandments? To love the Lord with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my strength, and, and, then, and then to go love people. This is it. Then we figure out what we do with our careers and our families and going to Disney and anything else that you got put on the schedule this month. But do I have this down first? Otherwise, let's go, Jesus. This ain't going to work, Jack. And people say, yeah, but I don't have to pray. You're right, you don't. But you will never Fulfill the mission and the calling on, on your life to bear fruit, more fruit, much fruit that will become a massive mustard seed that the birds of the air can find shelter, refuge, and provision for. You know what it's like when you're struggling in life and you run into someone that can provide some finances for you or give you a place to sleep or give you a comforting word of encouragement? That's who you are now. And everything else is secondary to being light in this world. Friends, I, uh, the only thing that I think matters is that we grow, that you grow.
So I want to end with the most fundamental question I think I can ask you. Are you growing? Are you bearing fruit? Do people in your life know who you are and what your priority is? Not priorities. Do they know who you are? Can they look at you and say, yeah, that's an orange tree. That's a Christian right there, Jack. I can tell, not because they said it. I see generosity and kindness. I'm not just trying to make you a nice person. Like we sacrifice for other people. When your life is uncomfortable for the sake of other people, now we look like Jesus. That makes sense? I'm telling you, this is the best chapter in the Bible. And I want to ask you to read it with me. Rachel, would you come? How do I abide? You know, like, what I'm really saying is that, like, find a quiet time, and that's a part of it. But then, like, as a friend of God, you're going to have moments throughout the day where you're thinking about him. But you have to have a quiet place. You've got to have a quiet, you've got to have a quiet place. And then we talk to God throughout the day. Here's a book. If you want to be discipled, you want a mentor, this is the best mentor I've ever this is the best one I've ever read in my entire life right here. It's called Practicing His Presence. And this guy lived in 1200. Um, and the other guy lived in the 1600s. And then there was another guy, Henry Newman, who lived uh, just a couple years ago. He passed away. And um, uh, they all wrote this book. And it's like a diary of their journal entries of their frustration because they're trying to actually live life so attached to God every second of the day. So I set out to do this. And Brother Lawrence is in here and he's writing how frustrating it is that when he's mopping the floor, he forgets to think about how much God loves him. So he says, I just want to, I don't want to pick a piece of paper up off the ground unless I'm reminded of how much you love me. I want to abide in you. I want every thought to permeate. I want to spend time with you. The greatest moments of my life, I'm not lying, I've been encounters with God. There's, I can think of some places that I've been where I, it was like my quiet place and I hadn't been there in some years and I get back there. Like there was this old church, some of you guys remember a carpenter's home and like there was like this wedding chapel place and I spent, feels like years walking around that room. The smell was terrible but it smelt like my prayer closet in that room. And it was so awesome. There was this bridge that I used to walk on, and it was like God was just there. You have a place where you meet God, where God speaks to you, where you drop the burdens of your day and you pick up something where you know that you're loved. I'm t- I've been saying this over the last couple of weeks. There's something about being loved it washes insecurities. It washes, if I don't spend that time with Jesus, I start my day frustrated. I start my day chaotic. I start my day angry. I start my day mad. I start my day in all of the emotions that I've been living in without laying it down, trying to pick up the cross and the burden and the passion that he has for me. Jesus, I want to live in your spirit. I want to abide in you. I want to dwell in you. I want to live my life in you, Lord.